we dated for a little while in high school and then I graduated and I went to St. Mary's and we kind of broke up for a little while, got back together, broke up, got back together. Then I joined the Navy and that got even rockier. We broke up for a little bit longer periods of time. Um, but we always remained in contact because I kind of always knew that I was going to be with her and I think she always kind of felt the same way that no matter what, we were going to end up together. Yeah. So. We got married in 2005, February 12th, 2005. We were both young, 22, 23, I guess, and he was 24, 25, and mm -hmm. um, he hung, I mean, we hung out, well, he hung out a lot with a bunch of single sailor guys. There's a huge culture of drink, drink, drink when, whenever you're off. So mm -hmm. a lot of the guys that I hung out with, that's all they wanted to do, so that's all I wanted to do. And then even though I had a family and uh, we had our own home, I would invite that into the house all the time. I would constantly have single guys in, drinking, partying, um, just kind of not doing what a husband is supposed to do. There were times when he would get really drunk and say very hurtful things to me, and then the next day we'd be arguing because I'd be mad about the night before and he had no idea, remember what he said. And mm -hmm. that's, when it's, that's when it really started to, I think, drain on me. When he was sober, we're this happy, perfect little family, so I would get over it. Okay, fine, he didn't mean it, but it happened for years. Things had gotten so bad that we were on the verge of divorce, like we had actually talked about it, and, and I had started looking up lawyers, and so had she, and um, her aunt decided um, that she was gonna intervene, and she offered to pay for us to go to a couple's retreat, but it was the first kind of entry into the church that we, had. While we were there at the retreat, um, I guess it kind of like flipped a switch in me initially. It got me curious to start like reading my Bible and seeking God and finding out, you know, why would this group of people that we don't even know be so invested in trying to fix us? After we got back from the retreat, um, this is when I started searching for God and, and, and I decided that I was going to give my life to Christ. And I remember being at work and I got down on my knees and I cried and I prayed and I begged for God to forgive me. And I uh, told him that I didn't want to be the way that I was anymore. So as I was searching for God, I was, I guess, kind of leaving her behind. She didn't have that same feeling like she wanted to go to church and she wanted to read her Bible. So then that's when things started getting bad again. And that's what led up to the drinking again and, and, and uh, you know, me being hurtful and, and mean towards her. So. We stopped going to church, we stopped, I stopped reading my Bible, I stopped praying, and we kind of fell back into our old habits. As bad as things were before, they had gotten even worse now. It was about a year ago, we were out with a group of some friends of ours, and he had been, it had already been in my mind, he had been saying, I don't love you, I don't love you, I don't love you. That's just, he just constantly said it to me, all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. And... I think one, one night we went out and he said something specific to me that I was like, you know what, that's it. Throw in the towel, like I'm done. And just stopped caring. I didn't, if he wanted to leave me, then leave me. Like, I just didn't care. Then I just started hanging out with this um, specific person and I mean, I had this one saying, I don't love you. I'm not attracted to you, just everything. I had this one saying I'm not attracted to you and I had this one saying, oh my God, you're so beautiful. So I had never, I mean, I hadn't heard those words in years. 
So ended up having an affair. And this went on for about four or five months. I knew right away that um, she hadn't just done this to me. I, we had done this to us together. Um, I had set the groundwork for, for later events to happen with my verbal and emotional abuse. I didn't want my marriage to end. So uh, I called one of my friends who has always been into, into the church and he kind of uh, talked me through it and told me, you know, it doesn't have to be over if you don't want it to be. He introduced me to Grace through a uh, men's Bible study that they were holding. Um, he told me, hey, come with me to this church. Uh, a couple of our friends from high school go there. I went and I met a couple of the guys there and, and they prayed over me and we prayed together. And that's when I decided um, that I was gonna try again. I was gonna, you know what? I need to turn back to God. I need to come back and I need to get things right again. So I decided to turn back to God and I decided I'm gonna try to fix things in my marriage. We, were, we would both lay in bed and read our Bibles together and we would both pray together and I just fell back in love with him. I mean like it probably, I knew I was in love with him this whole time, but it was a different kind of love. Like I finally learned how to love her the way God wants me to. Like not just because I was attracted to her or because she was fun to hang around with. Like I actually can see her now the way that Christ sees her. I never knew this man existed, really. Never. And he's the best husband, best father, he's my best friend. And without God, that wouldn't have never have happened. Never. Powerful, wasn't that beautiful? You know, that story, along with all the other stories that you've heard at Grace Avenue just the last few weeks, if, if you're new today, this is one of the several videos that we've showed every single week of just some of God's transformation in people's lives. Um, this is why we do what we do. Because every single week, there's going to be another Lisa and Bobby that walk in the door. You know, what's interesting is. The day Bobby actually came is the day I was doing a Bible study, and it, and it was just for men, and it was only about, I think, 20 guys that showed up, and I remember leaving that day and thinking, man, what a, what a waste today was. Nobody even told anybody, and I was mad, actually. I thought, this, this ended up being a big waste of time. You see, I'm a man of faith, obviously. <laughs> That's the day Bobby walked in. The next Sunday, he came in, and I remember right there where John and Haley are sitting, I remember his entire family committing to give their life to Christ and surrendering their hearts that day to Jesus. And from that day forward, it was a couple years ago, they've been part of this community. They're serving in different areas in our ministry. Uh, God has done some incredible things. But you know, that video communicates that we serve a God of hope and that we serve a God who is able. And what I love about that story is, is what I, just like the other stories and the other videos you saw, is that it's unfiltered. There's no Instagram filter on that video. You saw, you saw what you saw. And I, and I think that where, where you see God's greatest impact is when we take the filters off. 
And we just let people see what they need to see because it's not about us, it's about Jesus. And it's about people being reached and Jesus doing something in their life as well. You know, we heard the story of Jeff. Jeff and his sweet daughter, Riley. Jeff was overcoming, when he walked in here, he was overcoming a violent past, selling drugs, you know, divorce, just a broken man walking through a very, very dark season of his life and hope is now Jeff's to live. Brianna was walking through a season where she was dealing with bitterness and unforgiveness and the weight of all that was, was tearing her apart, making her insecure, just would have led on to more destructive things, but now forgiveness is hers to live. Chris, he's an awesome guy, fun guy, personality, but inside he was wrestling with the reality that we all have to wrestle with, which is that we have to come to terms with who God has said we are. Not what we think we are, not what society says we are, not what success tells we are, tells us that we are, not what the latest video or, or promotional video tells us that we are, but who God says we are, and he found his identity in Christ. And our purpose is his to live. And then obviously, Lisa and Bobby wrestling for years with unhealed and, and all unresolved um, issues. And, and I'm sure that Lisa and Bobby could give you, that was probably a sanitized version of how bad it really was. Because getting to know them over a couple of years, I think, eh, you, you could have shared a little bit more. Pretty bad. But you know what I'm saying is, Jeff, Brianna, they didn't hide anything is what I'm saying. But Jeff, Brianna, Chris, Lisa, and Bobby, every single week somebody's going to walk through these doors. Another Jeff. Another Brianna, another Chris, another Lisa, another Bobby's going to come to the men's Bible study that day. This is why we do what we do. This is why we say grace is yours to live. This is why we say forgiveness is yours to live. And what I want to encourage you to do today is, is to take the filters off. To take the filters off your light and, you know... You know, when you take that picture and you're going to throw it up on social media, you're trying to get the right angle and the right light and the right. And, you know, I know if I looked at your phone, the last picture you posted, there's about 17 different photos of you getting the right angle for it, which is cool. That's your business. But I know we're all out there trying to put the best version of what we think we look like. But, you know, God knows what you look like and God knows what he's made of you. And God knows what he's invested into you. And I'm asking you today, where is the real you? Who is the real you? And can anybody see the unfiltered version of who you are? Or are you holding that back? We didn't make them do those videos. We asked them and they said, and we said, we're going to get real on these videos. And then we also said, we're going to talk about what God has done in your life. And it's going to be pretty transparent. And then we're going to put these videos on social media and they're going to represent the heart of our church. Are you comfortable with that? Don't say yes if you're not, because that's what we're aiming for. And they said, and they said yes. They were comfortable with the investment that God had made, showing the unfiltered version of who God is making them to be. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14 says this, By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit that's entrusted to you. In other words, God has deposited something in you, and I guess we could say today that you can consider that an investment, right? God has entrusted to you an investment that he's made into your life, be that that he protected you, that 
there's a time in your life where maybe you shouldn't even have survived. I know I can look back and say there was plenty of times like that. I should not be alive. I should not be here. Some of the recklessness, some of the, the darkness, some of the danger, some of the stupidity. Oh, I look back and I think I should not have been alive past 21. Easy. Easily should have been a statistic or just gone. God protected me. That's an investment. What am I going to do with it? What are you going to do with what God has done in you? It's yours to live. See, for some of us, he's saved us. For others, he's healed us. For others, he's delivered you. He's done these things. These are investments that God has made. Some of you, he's given talents and opportunities and specific gifts. And some of you can do things that the person next to you can't do. Right? Like choose the right sports team every single year. You guys still, some of you are still not choosing the Spurs. You just haven't seen. Anyways. See, that unique thing in you, that unique thing that God is doing is God's workmanship. It's God's artistry. It's God's specific, unique design, his investment into you. And you have to come back to this. This is what this whole series is about. It's yours to live. What are you going to do with it? I'm not asking you if you recognize it. I'm not asking you if you recognize your potential, because that's what a lot of people will coast off of. The potential that they have, the potential that they think they have, the potential of what they could do or what they might do or what they should do or what God has told them they're going to do, of the prophetic word they got 10 years ago of what they might do. Are you stepping into and living in that place where you've embraced the investment that God has made into you? Because what I want to say today is that you're an asset to God. You're not a liability to God. You're an asset. God made you. And has shaped you to be a help for the darkness in this world, not a hindrance or co-collaborator for the darkness in this world. And so we have to choose today, what kind of church are we going to be? Are we going to be a church where there's a bunch of people who have filters on every single week, who then go on week after week and month after month and year after year, and they high five and smile and say, hello, good to see you, good to meet you. But really, it's just a filtered version that we're getting every single week. We never really get to know them. We never really get to see them and what they're going through and what they're really overcoming, what God has really done in their life. You know, church is one of the easiest places to be social and not get anything done. I'm telling you, because it's safe here. In this church, it's safe. Nobody's going to bash you and judge you for what you're dealing with or what you've gone through. I promise you that that's just not going to happen. But the problem is you could stay there with that mentality and that comfort level and just never, never go anywhere with it. And live a life that's filtered. See, when Janelle and I started dating, we started talking about how we wanted to make our lives lives of impact. So this was 16 years ago. So we were sitting there thinking, as we're, she's looking into my eyes, telling me she wants to marry me. Actually, it was the other way around. And amidst those lovey-dovey conversations, there was also the truth of we were getting down to the nitty-gritty of what kind of life are we going to have? kind of marriage are we going to have? What kind of kids do we want to raise? What kind of, what kind of way do we want to invest and spend our life? God's done this in you. He's done this in me. We're bringing that together. What are we going to do with that? How? I mean, this, this is interesting because the conversations that we were having then were shaping the life we're living now. It's not rocket science. It's just the simple commitment to invest what God has invested into his plan, into his purpose, into the kingdom. The greatest thing 
that you can do with the investment that you've been given is use it to honor God. Use it to honor God. And I'm not just talking about the the specific gift you have. I'm talking about your life, the investment that's on your life. You see, when you see Lisa and Bobby up there and you see that beautiful family that they are and that, that, that you know, they now have a, a, a beautiful little uh, son as well. And you just see the potential that was almost destroyed. You see the power when something is yours to live. They made some choices. God rescued them. And Janelle and I, when we started dating, we were making the decision then that affects us now. And we recognized then that God had made an investment into us and over the years, there have been things that have, I guess I could say, things that have worked against our life to try and make that decision less important. And if you are serious about the investment, like Paul commanded Timothy, guard the good deposit that's been made in your life by God. Not just by the mentors and the people and grandma and whoever spoke into your life, but, but what God has put into your heart, mind, your life your talent, your soul, your spirit, guard that good thing and use it for the purposes of God. Things have come over the years just in our marriage just to work against that decision. And our potential couldn't hold us and change us. It had to be decision. I'm telling you this morning that your potential cannot be your compass. You have to decide what God has said to you, where God is, what God is saying to you. See, here's a few things that have come over time. Hard or busy seasons of work have come. And you know how it is when you're having a hard season at work and you're short on time and you're short on energy and you're short on kindness. And, you, and the Bible tells you in the New Testament to be hospitable. And the last thing you want to do is give, be, open your home to be hospitable and be nice to people. You know, you'd rather just throw them a bag of Doritos and say, have a good week, get out, you know, and just, just move them on, right? But, you know, it's in the times that we've been hospitable in some of our most difficult times that we've seen God do some of his most amazing work. But the temptation was there to, to discard that, to not live for that investment, to not, not treat it as something really that's ours to live, but really just just kind of push it aside and just make excuses for, you know, well, I got work and I'm this. and I, I'm not talking about burning yourself out. I'm talking about marked times where God's bringing opportunity to you and you turn your face towards it and you say, I'm deciding to use this investment that God has given me to serve the purposes of God. Other things were very painful life situations. There's stuff that Janelle went through and before she met me, there's stuff that I went through before I met her. And then there's stuff when we got married, the stuff that we've encountered together as a couple uh, up until last year when we walked through the most difficult year of our life. All of those difficult things before we were married, after we were married, when we started the church, when we're serving the purpose of God, all they did was, was try and work to get us to withdraw from church withdraw from community, withdraw from valuing the investment that God has made in us, and really just seek to kind of push us into a very self-serving, self-absorbed, self-seeking life. 
You know, there are financial challenges that, that all of us go through and, and we get tempted to, to pull away from investing into the kingdom of God and we get tempted to, to just build a life for us and, well, I'm not gonna tithe because I do this. I'm not gonna sacrifice because of this. I'm not gonna be generous because of this. And, and, and you can almost take the investment that God is giving you, really, financially, that belongs to him and turn it back to you. Relationships, this is a huge one. Relationships that came into our life over the years of marriage, right? I can see that over time when I look back and I see people that are they're not, no longer connected to God, they're no longer connected to the church. In fact, a lot of them are, are either not together anymore or they passed away or they took their own lives. It's, it's crazy to just look back 15 years of marriage and see that people that came into our life weren't necessarily tied to our future. They were in our life but they're not tied to our future. They're in our life, but they're not tied to our future. They're in our life, but they're not tied. Who is in your life that's not tied to your future? Because everybody in your life is not always tied to your future. In fact, a lot of those relationships, I think, came in to serve to distract us from the very purpose that God had, which was to have relationships in our life that are focused and purpose-filled and resolute about building the kingdom of God and loving people and serving people and making a difference in this world. Does that make sense? The best way for you to find out who those relationships are in your life is examine the content of your conversations. The last 10 conversations. Because if it never goes anywhere beyond sports, if it never goes anywhere beyond money, if it never goes anywhere beyond business, I might want to tell you God has some deeper strategic relationships for your future. But can you see them? And do you value them? Are we okay this morning? This is the only message I got, so if you don't like it, there's nothing in the tank. This is all I got. Ephesians 5.16 says, make the best use of the time because the days are evil. That was 2,000 years ago. <laughs> make the best use of the time then because the days then were evil. I think we could, say, we could say the same thing about now. Make the best use of the time God has given to you. Make the best use of the investment God has deposited into you. Become the father that Jesus wants you to become. Have the marriage that Jesus wants you to have. Be the wife that Jesus wants you to have. Be the leader that Jesus wants you to be. Are you following me today? See, you don't get do-overs in this life. This is it. Remember do-overs when you were a kid? No, do-over. You don't get no do-overs with life. You get life. And you guard the investment. I'm telling you, regret is a heavy price tag to wear for bad decisions. And I'm telling you, God wants to shape our thinking as a church and as a community and as individuals and as couples to focus on staying the course and guarding the deposit and guarding the investment because God paid a great price for that investment. He paid it with the cross. He paid it with his blood. And all throughout scripture, we read that God encourages his people to do this one thing. He says, I want you to remember what has been done. You see, in the Old Testament, you see it in the New Testament. In fact, he tells them a lot of times to build altars of remembrance and to build stones of remembrance, piles of stones of remembrance. <clears throat> and then he literally says multiple times throughout different leaders and different people, I want people to see your life and see that monument and see that altar and see that time as a marked time in your life. And when they ask you what that's about, I want you to tell them the miracle that God did in your life. Do you know the miracle that God has done in your life enough to be able to communicate it? 
Have you forgotten it? Is church becoming so church (laughs) that the mission is getting lost, the mandate's getting lost, that it's becoming about us, that it's becoming about you? I'm asking this this morning. See, all throughout Scripture, God encourages people to remember his investment, his miracles, what he's done. He tells us to tell our friends. He tells us to tell strangers. And he tells us to tell our children. I think you should let your kids believe whatever they want. Don't shape their beliefs. That's not what God says. Shape your child's belief about the nature and character of God. That way when the deceptive world tries to pull the veil over their eyes, they don't have to walk through the same deception and pain that you walk through because they know their God is true. Why does God ask us to remember? It's because we're notorious for forgetting what God has done. We're notorious for forgetting God's investment. We're notorious for not remembering. See, when Moses brought the people out of Egypt, the Israelite people out of Egypt, um, this was a place of captivity. This is a place of slavery. They'd been there for over 200 years. They'd been out 40 days. Moses goes onto a mountain. 40 days and 40 nights. If I'd been stuck somewhere for 200 years, you would think 40 days and 40 nights ain't that long. (laughs) Moses goes up on the mountain He goes to receive from God. He's going to receive God's laws. And at this 40-day mark, here's the thing. The anxiousness of the people, the anxiousness within them, already forgetting what God has done and being fearful about what is next, it starts to turn on the inside of them so much that they stop looking to the leader God had assigned them to, and they stop looking at the place they had just come out of And they look to the temporary leader or the temporary couple or the temporary influence in their life or the temporary relationships that are surrounding them. And they look to Aaron and he takes all the jewelry, all the, it says all the golden earrings, all the gold, everything. Here's the thing. The things that they took out of Egypt, they used to melt down and make a a golden calf, which was, if you understand, it was representative of all these different things. It was symbolic of what their hearts were hungry for, even though God had given them everything, complete freedom. It's worth noting that God can free you from captivity, but you can get derailed by something that you brought out of your last season. They brought, they plundered Egypt when they left. It's like a riot. (laughs) Started looting Pharaoh said, all right, you guys get out of here. They're like, oh, we're taking that. I'm taking that flat screen. I'm taking that. <laughs> Give me that Yeti cooler. I'm taking that. Give me that four-wheeler. Put that in the truck. We're out of here. And then those very things that were meant to be used for the next season that came from the last three actually derailed them. You got to be careful about some of the leftovers from your last season. Some of the leftover numbers that are still on your phone. Some of the leftover people that are still connected to you on social media that you will not delete or block for some reason. Oh, well, I don't want to be rude. What about your destiny? What about you and your weakest moment? Can you handle that relationship? Can you delete that call? Can you not just put send to message, but block caller? It's the difference between guarding the investment and flirting with temptation. See, when you find yourself anxious in a season, be careful that the loudest voices in your life aren't causing you to build altars to your past. See, the loudest people, the loudest voice in the people's life was, was, was Aaron at that time. 
And Aaron wasn't even that great of a leader because you know what? What happened when Moses came down and said, hey, what's going on here? This is what Aaron said. Well, we started a fire. This is in the Bible. And it just came out of the fire. It just happened. We didn't make it, even though a few verses before it says that he had carved this with a carving tool to shape this idol, that he took all the gold from the people and made it. Well, it just appeared. That's not a leader, folks. One who finds excuses after they lead you into the worst season of your life. Pretty stupid, man. God has made an investment in you. It's what I'm saying today. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about what God has done in you, and it's about what God will do through you. And the world does not need the Instagram version of you. The world needs what Jesus has done in you. It just needs what Jesus has done in you. It just needs what Jesus is doing in you. It just needs what you believe Jesus is going to do in you. Let me say it like this. God has invested too much in you to make it about you. And there are going to be seasons, it may be right now, it may be down the road, where the anxiousness, like the Israelite people, is going to cause you to want to turn and look towards something that's false, something that's temporary, a loud voice, a knock at the door, a call on the phone, something from your past, dragging that up to the front, and it's going to cause you to trade your investment for something that's temporary. And what you're doing at that moment is you're making it about you. Potential is not going to protect you. It won't. It'll guide you for a little while. It'll give you signs. It'll give you, give you hopes and, and vision for what's next. It won't protect you. It won't guard you. You have to guard the investment that God has made in you. That's why it says in the beginning, by the Holy Spirit who now dwells within us, guard the good deposits that has been made into your life. The Holy Spirit can speak things into your life that can clarify in moments of dis, uh, discouragement, in moments of temptation, moments of frustration, moments of, what am I doing here? Anybody ever been there? What am I even doing here? What am I doing here? Maybe it's been a while for some of you, but I'm telling you, those feelings were real. And I'm telling you, they caused me to turn my face back to God. See, it's not about us. This is what the Pharisees did. In fact, this is what Jesus did when he rebuked the Pharisees for making it about them. I want to read you this. It won't be up there, but let me read it. Matthew 23, verses five through seven. Everything, this is what he's saying about the Pharisees, the people who, who knew so much about the word. See, it's not if you know the word of God, it's if you know the God of the word. And he said, everything they do is for people to see the filtered version, the Instagram version, everything they do. He didn't say some of the things. Jesus looked at these people who were the most astute religious leaders of the day. They could out-Bible you and me by a hundred times. They know more about God than us collectively. And he says this to them, everything they do is done for people to see. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. I like it when people call me rabbi too. Just kidding. <laughs> but they love to be, so they love titles. 
They come into church and they love a title. They love being part of a business network with a title. They love being a musician in the world with a title. They love being the, having the title of success or entrepreneur. You know the greatest title of your life? Saved. Redeemed. Purposed. Commissioned. Mandated. Sent. Entrusted. Deposited into. Invested into. Those are the greatest titles. Those are the greatest titles. And then Jesus goes on to tell them, the greatest among you, in other words, the greatest person around you in your, is going to be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. In other words, he's saying, the way up is down. And if you go down, God will raise you up. You can't get up with God by making it about you. You can only get up with God by dying to you and trusting God to be the one to raise you up. See, as a church, this is why we're preaching this during this series, because it's never going to be about ourselves. It's always going to be about others. I preached through the hardest season of my life last year. The hardest season. There were three specific times where I literally said, I don't know if I can do this. I was on the verge of calling someone else and saying, I can't do this. I literally can't, but I pushed through. You know why? Not because I'm a superhero, not because I'm super strong, not even because I'm super spiritual. I was super weak <laughs> because it's not about me. And there's pain I've been able to push through specifically recently because I remember it's not about me. I remember the day Kayla's mom passed away she was here three services and didn't even tell us until after the third service. Now, am I propagating that that's what we all do? No, and I'm saying that's what you have to do? No, I'm saying there are times God will call you and give you a strength and pull you through things for the sake of others so that they can receive the deposit and the investment that God has put in you. And then he will heal you along the way. See, when Jesus healed the lepers, I love this. He tells the lepers, go back to the city and see. And as they went, they were healed of their leprosy. See, we have to remember that as we're going along the road for others, to see others like Lisa and Bobby, like Jeff, like Chris, like, uh, like all the different people, like Brianna, like we're showing these videos. It's about them. This is why we do what we do. This is why we'll do multiple services at Easter. This is why we ask people to serve on a team. This is why we ask you to not just warm a seat. This is why we ask you to sacrifice. This is why we ask you to give. We're not a church that's asking you to just sit and exist. We don't want to be that church. We never have been, and we never will be. And, you know, I promise you that over the years, we've lost a lot of people because we're a church that does not work to make people comfortable. We actually work to make them uncomfortable. And we actually work to stay uncomfortable ourselves. We're already looking at the possibility of a new building next year. We're raising money through Vision Builders. We've got three buildings here, three services here. We can't do any more. The parking's pretty terrible at times. <laughs> if you come to the 11, we're just going to keep pushing every week, every month, every year because there's another video testimony. There's another life change. There's another. I want you to think of when you think of Lisa and Bobby, that's not a beautiful little story. That's a generation that's changed. Yeah. 
When I showed that video to them in this back room about a month ago, and I said, this is what's going out. I want you guys to see it. Their little girl was there, and she saw the whole thing. And to see the entire family breaking down, shedding tears. And I looked at Lisa and said, I bet you're glad God's done a good work in your mommy and daddy's life. And she's like, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. That's why we do it. There's an investment in you. There's a reason God has brought you this far. And the reason you might be having friction right now in a particular area of your life is because God's trying to remove the veil, the filter from your life to help you see that it's not really about you. That even in your pain, even in your brokenness, even in your questioning, even in you're not sure, we have needs in our city. That there's still people's lives to touch. That we have a mission. And that mission is not your perfect life. It's not my perfect life. It's not making all our dreams come true. It's the mission of Jesus Christ going out into the world and seeing lost people say to come to know their Savior, to tap into their potential, to tap into their purpose, to live the life that they're created for, and to make the impact that they stand to make. I'm going to say this, and then I want us to say it together. We are the church. We have a mission. We have been sent, and we are accountable. Someday we're all going to stand before God as a church, as people. I won't be there with you. I'll be with Jesus. You'll be with Jesus. I don't get to take my wife, my daughter. It's just going to be me and Jesus. Looking him in the eye. I mean, this is scripture, folks. This is not doom and gloom. This is not fear. This is what have you done with the investment that's been given to you? That's the scripture. That's what it says. And when the master came back from a long journey, he tallied up with those who'd been given the talents and said, what did you do with my investment? I think about that all the time. I don't want to blow it. I don't want to squander it. I don't want to waste it. Why? Because we are the church. And we have a mission. And we have been sent. And we are accountable. Come on, let's say that together. We are the church. We have a mission. We have been sent. And we are accountable. One more time. We are the church. This is not the church. This is not the church. This building is not the church. We've had three locations up to this point. This is not the church. We are the church. Number two, we have a mission. Come on, the mission is people who don't know Jesus, more Jeffs, more Lisas and Bobbies, more people who don't know him. We have been sent. Jesus sent you into your family and your job. He's invested those gifts into you. He's given you these opportunities. He's given you this influence. He's given you these talents. And we are accountable. Come on, we are accountable. The grace God has showered over your life, the hope, the purpose, the forgiveness, all the things we read about, all of this is yours to live in. This series was about us coming together and really getting on the same page about the type of church we are and the type of church we're called to be. I want to ask you this morning to bow your heads for just a second. And I want to ask you to make a commitment to yourself that if you belong to this church, if you're saying, this is, this is my church, and this is where God has planted me, this is where God has positioned, positioned me, I mean, come on, you can go through, grow, you can stand up, you can become a member of this church, you can say, this is my home, but come on now, in your heart of hearts, you need to know what we're about and what we're focusing on. As much as we want you to have a, a seat here at the table to grow and be encouraged and, and be empowered and your potential and we want to 
to speak to your impact and love you through the hard times and love you through the, the good times and all of that that comes with it, we want to remember what it's all about. It's not only about us. It's about those who don't know Jesus. If I could ask you this morning, just with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, to think about that. We are the church. sent you. You are the light of the world. Come on, we've been sent. And we're accountable. And you're empowered because grace is yours to live. I want you to consider making a renewed commitment to yourself this morning. To stand firm with the investment that's been made into your life. As Paul told Timothy, guard the good deposit. Holy Spirit that is within us. I, I believe that you can hear at times where God is saying, don't trade the gold for the garbage. Don't do it. Don't trade the old mindset. Don't trade for the old way. You're a new creation. You've been filled with purpose. You have the Spirit of God in you. You were commissioned. You've been saved. You're not alone. God is with you. He's directing you. You're not alone. Saying to you, it's yours to live. Heavenly Father, today we come to you and we say, God, everything in our lives is yours. Every gift, every talent. And today, God, we surrender it all to you and we say thank you that you have deposited into us something that no man or no woman could ever gift us with or help us with or, or bestow upon us. Lord, you have uniquely, as your word says, made us your masterpiece, your work of art. You have shaped us. As your word says, you have given all believers spiritual gifts. So Lord, today we gather those resources together in our hearts and minds and we say thank you for entrusting us. We are not entitled. We are entrusted. It is not ours, it's yours. It is an investment, it's a deposit. Lord, we will use it for your glory in Jesus' name. Come on, with everyone keeping their heads bowed and their eyes closed this morning, if you're saying today, I have been disconnected from God. Maybe I have come to church, but I have not made Jesus the center of my life and the Lord of my life. I have been doing the social thing, the church thing, the gathering thing, but really I'm not, I'm not tapped into who Jesus has called me to be. I'm, I'm not surrendered my life to him. If that's you this morning, you say, I want to commit my life to him. Get on the path that Jesus says leads to life. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. If that's you this morning, would you just put your hand up? Put it right back down so I can see who I'm talking to. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, God is doing big things. There's a lot of hands going up this morning. You know what this decision is doing is it's leading you into freedom. This is not just a decision. This is a decision that leads to freedom. It's, the Bible says you cross over from darkness into light. That's what the Bible says about it. That's what God says about it, that, that there are things that will be broken off of you. And so I want to pray for that right now because I don't want you to walk out of here thinking today was an inspirational speech as much as it may inspire you. I want you to understand God targeted you and marked you as a day of remembrance that today you were to be here to hear this. And this is for you and your journey. And it's yours to live. Come on, let me just pray this over you. Father, I thank you that those today who've raised their hands are saying to you in their own words and in their own way that that sin that has bound them for so long will no longer have power over their life. 
that Lord, today forgiveness is theirs to live, that no longer do they need to be bound by unforgiveness or shame or brokenness. But Lord, that you, by what you did on the cross, receive every person who comes to you and you say, come and believe and follow. And today, those who raise their hands today are choosing to follow you, Jesus. They're not here to follow me. They're not here to follow uh, a building. They're not here to follow a denomination. They're here to follow the living, breathing, alive Jesus in this world. Come on, those of you who raise your hands, just say this after me. Lord Jesus, today I commit my life to you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. I receive your spirit today. I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give them a hand this morning. A lot of hands went up this morning.